Good morning, Grace Fam. How you all doing? Man, God has been moving in here. Such an awesome presence in this place. Amen. And uh, so awesome when we could come together to just give God the glory, to lift up his name. Who knows what we've been experiencing all week long, what we've been battling through, struggling through, and then just to come back and say, you know what? We're going to set our eyes on him. And God just graces us with his presence. Uh, such an awesome thing. Well, um, before I get into today's message, uh, I just want to take the opportunity to invite you all this week. On Wednesday, we will be having a D-group experience. And many of you have heard us talk about D-groups, uh, where it's a, a form of a, a small group, uh, but it's uh, gender-specific. That means guys with guys and ladies with ladies. And uh, three to six, and it's a time to get into the Word, time to ask some challenging questions, encourage one another, pray with one another, and, and listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you. Uh, but if you're looking uh, for a way to be a part of a small group or get connected just so that you can grow and be challenged in your discipleship, the D group is a great on-ramp. And I'll be leading through an experience on November 15th. It's, it'll be seven. Um, and I would say, hey, come out. If you're on the fence and you're like, yo, I don't like people all that much. You know, I just, just, just come and check it out. Um, you'll get to ask any question you want to ask. I'll lead you through the basic elements, um, and I'm sure that you will enjoy it. But it's a good place, and when you, because you show up doesn't mean you have to do it. I'm just inviting you out. It's a good opportunity. Amen? Amen. All right. So we have been in the book of Colossians, and we had started at the beginning, and we're going all the way through. How many of you enjoyed this series so far? It's been great. It has been great. And we have, you know, started at the beginning of the book where we found out that Paul was not the one who founded this church. And that, that should be huge to us, that God used somebody other than Paul or the other apostles to found this church. God does use other individuals than we think who are the main and the important ones. Uh, he uses everyone who's available for him to use and partner with him. But we find out that Paul is writing this letter, first of all, he's locked up. But he's not letting the jail cell keep him from doing the work of the Lord. He wrote this letter to this church that he found out was a, a, a young church, and he found it out from one of his partners in the gospel in the ministry named Epaphras, or Epaphras, however you want to say it. You say tomato, I say tomato, you know. So Epaphras takes this letter um, to the, the believers at Colossae, and Paul, they begin to read this letter of Paul's heart. As an apostle, he wants to see this church grow from infancy to maturity. And so we've been going all the way through this letter. You know, we saw Paul praying for them and saying, look, I want God to, to fill you with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you can know this glorious calling that God has called you to. Paul talks about that he wants to see them grow up in maturity. He wants to see them be a fruitful church, doing good things, spreading the good news. He goes on to talk about, hey, you know, I recognize that you're in a context where there are um, Jewish people who are saying, hey, 
in order to please God, you got to live this way. There are other religions that are vying for your attention and say, no, 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 no. If you want to be spiritual, this is the way you got to do it. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you about this mystery that God has done. God has done this beautiful thing in Christ Jesus, that through Christ's death, burial, and his resurrection, God is renewing the world. He is renewing humanity. And he begins to talk to them about the gospel and what God has done for us, how he's invited us to be uh, delivered from the dominion of darkness and to be brought into the kingdom of his beloved son, that now in Christ, we stand as a new people. Some translations say that we are a new humanity in Christ. Really, we are living this life that God always intended from the beginning, that he's found a way to say, you know what? Through my son, I'm going to take away sin. I'm going to nail it to the cross. And then if, if that wasn't enough, he says, no, there's one more enemy I got to deal with. He's nailed to the cross. He dies and he's locked up in a tomb. But then early in the morning, he conquers that enemy called death and rises from the dead and he's exalted to the highest place in the heavens. And it doesn't stop there, but he sends his Holy Spirit into the hearts of ordinary people like you and I, and it empowers us to do extraordinary things. And so if you weren't here last week, uh, Pastor Doug preached the message talking about radical Christianity, talking about when this radical God changes us, that he enables us to live life radically different. You know, when Adam and Eve fell, you know, he said, God came to Adam, Adam, what's up? He said, it was her fault. <laughs> uh, and he says, Eve, what's up? It was the serpent's fault. And, you know, they, they're not taking responsibility uh, from that point, life is just in disarray, violence, all kinds of evil and wickedness. But in this kingdom life, Pastor Doug let us know last week that, oh, there could be harmony between husband and wife. It's the power of the gospel. There could be love between parents and children. There can be love between employers and employees that the gospel impacts the social structures that we live in. If you were here, you also heard him wisely navigate this question of how do we as Christians regard slaves? What, what does the Bible talk about that? Well, how does the Bible talk about that? And he began to talk about how that the gospel really undermines these unjust social structures. That when we live in the fullness of the gospel, all of these things of where you're here and I'm here, they're destroyed. The cross is the great equalizer. And so if you um, didn't get a chance to hear that message, you can go online and listen to it, um, or you can pick up a CD right at the book counter. They have it for you. I suggest, I strongly recommend that you listen to it. I'm sure it will be a blessing to you. Now, compared to last week, I, I think I've got just a little less of a challenge. Uh, it's always a challenge to articulate about the goodness of God, but I'm glad Pastor Doug had last week, and I'm glad I got this week. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you will open up your Bibles to Colossians, and we'll look at the fourth chapter, and we'll begin reading at the second verse. All right, Colossians 4, 2, and it reads like this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, 
being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Powerful words here. Paul starts us off. He says, look, I don't want you to get lazy in your prayer life. I want you to keep praying. Keep praying. And I believe he's talking about prayer as communion with God. Stay in relationship with him. Keep talking to him. Learn to live the with God kind of life. Knowing that I can access his presence at all times. Knowing that I can actually work and talk to him. Knowing that I can stay in constant communion. The Bible calls that fellowship. That we have this constant companionship with him now that he lives inside of us. And we can always talk to him about any and everything. Uh, there's two names that I want to talk to you about. Uh, the first person, uh, his name is Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence wrote this book a long time ago, and it's called Practicing the Presence of God. And in this book, Brother Lawrence talks about how the Holy Spirit taught him that he can live in continual communion with God. Whether he was washing dishes or working in the garden, and he just began to turn his attention to God as often as he could. And pretty soon he learned that, man, I've got this sense or this awareness that God is always with me and he's always accessible, that I can talk to him. I'm listening for him to talk to me. And it's just this great companionship. The second gentleman, his name is Frank Lawback. And Frank Lawback launched one of the, one of the biggest literacy programs in the world. But Frank Lawback, he took prayer and he made a game out of it. Um, and, you know, I know that sounds a little sacrilegious, but, you know, our spiritual life can be fun. Walking with Christ is not this thing that where you come to Christ and then life becomes miserable. You know, when people talk to you like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus. And, you, and we act like we have no joy or no life. But Frank Lawback, he said, you know what? I want to learn to tune my heart to God's heartbeat. And so Frank Lubach, Lubach, he began to set a timer so at the beginning of each minute, he would be reminded to turn his heart towards God. Well, by doing that simple little exercise, he found out that he was thinking about God no matter what he was doing. And this guy had major world impact in teaching people how to read. Have you ever heard this quote, each one, teach one? That's Frank Lawback. He's, he was a believer. He wrote this book called The Game with Minutes, if you're interested. He would also play games on public transportation, where if he saw somebody, you know, on the public transportation and they were 
mean or they were looking upset or hurt, he would just look at them and then he would just begin to talk to God about them. God, can you touch them? Can you bring life to them? Can you bring joy to them? And he would say sometimes he would literally see people's expressions change. And so this prayer life is exciting. There's creativity to it that when we're walking in constant communion with God, that God will do extraordinary things if we're available. And so I believe Paul is saying, hey, stay in prayer. Pray, live in this fellowship, this unbroken fellowship with God. But then he moves it and he says, I don't want you to be selfish with your prayer. I want you to remember to pray for me because I've got to carry this gospel to other places. That there are people who haven't heard about Jesus, people who haven't heard the great mystery of the gospel. And the gospel is good news. He says, I've got to get this good news out. So please pray for me that I can articulate it clearly and adequately. And this is a reminder that they don't become selfish with their prayers, but they remember, you know what? God, you want your gospel to get out. You want your gospel to spread. How many of you, your world has been turned downside up because of the gospel? Yeah. Don't you want others to experience that? So we should be praying continually that the good news will spread. We have missionaries uh, who are all over the world doing the work of the gospel. We should remember them in our prayers. We should remember each other because we're called to be missionaries as well, which I'll get into in a second, to spread the gospel. Pray for pastors and teachers and those who share the word of God on a regular basis that they would be able to live in it and be able to adequately preach and teach God's word because it's not a thing that is lightly done. We need your prayers. We need to be praying for one another. Now, this is where I want to kind of park it a little bit. Then he begins to talk to us. And he says, I want you to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Those who are not believers. Those who have not made a decision to follow Christ. Because you know, it's very easy as a Christian to live in a Christian bubble. You know, that we're so overjoyed with our salvation that we're like, hey, I'm going to hang out with my Christian crew. Hey, I'm going to get on Christian Facebook. Hey, I'm going to download Christian YouTube. Hey, I'm going to only hang around believers. Hey, I'm going to spend all of my time in church. Hey, I'm not going to talk to anybody but Christians. And we are kind of landlocked. And we don't want to be like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is a sea that has no outlet. But the Bible talks about the river of God that comes from the throne of God that flows outwardly. When our lives are impacted by the river of God and God's river is in us and it is changing us and transforming us, we need to have an outlet where the river not only flows to us, but it flows through us to touch others. And so Paul is saying, look, I know you got a good thing going on here, but don't become selfish with the gifts of God. Don't become selfish with the blessing of God. Don't become selfish with salvation, but you've got to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. He says, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. Time here. Two words, two Greek words for time. Chronos, kairos. Chronos is 
chronological, one o'clock, two o'clock, one minute, two minute, three minute. Kairos is this moment, this window of opportunity. Like, oh, something is happening right now. This is a moment. And Paul says he wants us to make the best use of the time, of the kairos, of the moment. And here, I believe that God wants to challenge us to stop living our lives only in minutes and go from minutes to moments. Because he is doing something around us. And once we start paying attention to what God is doing around us, we can step out of our minute schedule and be a part of a moment. Let me give you an example of this. Just happened to me this week. And I share this example, um, not, not to boast in it, but just to show you that I don't know if you're like me, but this is how I can be at times. Um, so, I, you know, I'm working. This was a, a busy week. I'm trying to get things done. And I'm then trying to prepare, you know, because I got to preach this weekend and I'm getting a lot done, trying to, trying to make time. You know what I mean? Trying to make the most of a minute. <laughs> and so as I'm getting ready to leave, somebody says, hey, uh, Pastor G, somebody's downstairs and they, they want to see you. Um, they just came in, you know, off the street. They want to talk to you. And so I said, Oh, thank you, our gracious Father, for this wonderful opportunity <laughs> to be able to talk to someone. No, that's not what I said. I did one of these, oh, no, you got to be kidding me. Come on, I'm trying to get something done. And, you know, in that moment as I'm going down the stairs, I just begin to pray. I begin to say, okay, God, I don't want to talk to this person but I don't know what you're up to. Please forgive me. Help me to tune in to what you want to make happen. I don't know what you're up to, but I want to be a part of whatever you're doing. So I'm praying that as I repent as I come down the stairs, get to the door. There's a gentleman standing outside, um, no coat on, just a t-shirt. And uh, he begins to explain to me, he says, hey, going through something rough. Um, I want to repent. I need to know what time your services are. Um, so I can come and repent. Oh, I need to repent, you know? And, um, and I just said, man, I said, I told them the times of our service, and I said, hey, come sit on the steps with me. You don't have to wait to a service to repent. We can repent right now. And, um, but I think often we're not paying attention to what God is doing around us because we're trying to, make the most of every minute, not knowing that God is trying to deal in a moment. A moment of when the kingdom of God can break through and bring impact on someone else's life. And so that's what we have to be aware of, that we live not only in minutes, but in moments. And so I came up with a little formula to help you think about this. How do I live in moments and not just minutes? And so I stole this kind of, these points. I'm going to give you a couple of points. I stole it from the stylistics. Um, and, uh, but I think it will help us be able to catch moments. And I've changed a little, little bit, but I don't know of many of you that know it. It's way before my time, but I heard the song, you know? And the song is, um, stop, look, 
Listen to your heart, hear what it's saying. Stop. Look. Listen to your heart, hear what it's saying. Love. You know that song? You heard that song? Well, I made a little change to it. Stop. Look. Listen to your heart, hear what he's saying. Stop. Look. Listen to your heart, hear what he's saying. Love. So, I think if we want to be a part of moments, the first thing we need to do is stop. Stop. Recognize that God is at work. And essentially what I'm talking about is evangelism, sharing the good news, making an impact on people. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I've heard evangelism taught in ways of like, it all rests on us. That if we don't do it, it won't get done. Now, I know, I do believe that we do, we have a responsibility to share the good news. But here's what I believe, that God is already working. He's already talking to people. He's already speaking to their hearts. He's already wooing them. And what I need to be asking God is, God, help me to stop, to pause, and ask you, God, where are you at work around me? Are you at work in this grocery store that I visit every week? Asking him, Lord, I need to pause and just ask, where are you at work? And what do I say, ask him where he is at work? Because a lot of times we could try to force things. And we, there's no need to force things. All you're asking God is help me to pay attention to what you're up to. And when you begin to start to live your life to just trying to be aware, pausing, okay, God, what are you up to? God will lead you and guide you. He will bring people to you. He will bring you to people. So stop. Ask God. Pause. God, help me to pay attention to you today. Then the next one is look. This look has to do with seeing people. <laughs> um, I can be one where I'm so concerned about living in the minutes that I'm just going throughout my day and I don't see people. You know, I'm just so busy that, you know, sometimes, you know, even here, you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday, I could be walking by and I'm so focused on this list I got in my mind that I may walk past some of you and you'd be like, no, pastor didn't just walk right on by me. I know he ain't saved, you know? <laughs> and it's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't care about you. But in a minute, I'm more tuned into a list than I, in a minute than I am in a moment. And all of us get that way. And so sometimes if we're pausing and we're asking God to show us where you're working, then we've got to be able to look and look and see people. Sometimes look them in their eyes, see how they're doing. When you ask how they're doing, look and see. Sometimes God may put something on your heart for them. You don't know. But if you're not looking, you won't see. So stop, look, ask God, give you eyes to see. Stop, look, and then listen. Listen to him. Listen to people. Because I'll tell you what, people are tuned in to bad news. They know the bad news that's happening in their life. And so we've been hearing all of this good stuff about Colossians, all of this good news of what God has done, how he has torn down the wall of hostility, that in his kingdom, there is no racial divide. 
And so when you run into somebody and they're dealing with this divide that is happening in the world, and man, I'm tired of people hating on me. I'm tired of this. We've got good news. When people are, are dealing with pain and they're burdened down and they feel like they're in it alone, we've got good news. When you're in the business meetings and you're with business people who are trying to work uh, to make deals and yet they're making all of this money and they're not satisfied, you've got good news. And so being aware that if we listen to people, God will give us what to say in the moment. He will tell us what he needs us to do. All right, I want to share a quick story with you. Um, don't get weirded out. I got to do a little costume change. Um, a friend of mine, my good brother, he was my college roommate. And um, we lived in Rochester, New York. We lived kind of a few blocks from each other. And uh, we were really praying about, God, how can we be used to make an impact in our community? And so we came up with this idea as we were wrestling with it and praying and talking with God and each other about it. And we decided to come up with this walk that we called the prayer of presence. It's been a few years. This thing don't fit like it used to. <laughs> Uh, Lord, help me. <laughs> Shrink me, Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. Jesus be a girdle, huh? No. <laughs> uh. And so we came up with this walk called the Prayer of Presence. Now, what this is is a cassock. This is called a cassock. And monks wore these back in the day. And the reason that they are black is because when the monks put this on, this was a reminder that they were to die to self. And so this was just a reminder for them. And so my guy and I, we decided to walk around Rochester, New York, and these things. But we felt like, okay, here's, here's the, the thing behind it. We knew that people would see us in these robes, and they would think, oh, these are monks. And they would think about God. And as they turned their mind to God, we were praying that that would be a window of opportunity where God could speak to them. And so we weren't going, we weren't going to yell at people. We, weren't, we were going to pray silently for the blessing of this community. We were going to pray for protection of families and that God would just break through and speak to them. If someone engaged us and asked us, hey, what y'all doing? We would say, hey, we're just praying for the community that God would bless it, protect us, and and make his goodness known, do you have any prayer requests? Now, if they gave us prayer requests, we would write them down so that we can stop back by and ask them, hey, we've been praying for this. How is this thing going? You know, easy way on a conversation. Um, and so we had many adventures walking. We endured much laughter. Uh, but we also would walk up on houses where people were on the side smoking weed, marijuana, and when, you know, they, we would see them and we'd come and sometimes the wind would be blowing, this thing looked kind of weird. And so we're walking and they see us and all of a sudden you see them dropping it out of their mouth, trying to hide it like, oh, oh, oh. And we just smile, God bless you. <laughs> um, but there was this one particular uh, evening where we were walking, we were near the end of our walk and we were walking up this one street called Goodman. And uh, as we're walking, all of a sudden we hear this, that's my um, impersonation of, a, of an SUV with bass, you know, blasting music. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. 
And so we turn around to see, and all of a sudden, this SUV pulls in the driveway, and uh, we look, and we see it's a guy. He's driving, and he's looking like this. He's got his girl in the vehicle with him. He's, and then he opens the door, and he gets out, and he's like real short. And it was just like, oh, man. He's, he got out just, you know, I just wasn't expecting that. And so he got out. And then he walks up, he walks up to us, and he's walking with a little swagger. And he says these words to me and my buddy Drew. He says, my sister is a Christian. I'm an alcoholic. What can your God do for me? Yeah, I, I said, uh-oh. <laughs> That's what I said in my mind. Uh-oh. Now, here I am doing this prayer of presence walk with my buddy, and we're intending to pray for people to be a blessing to people and have their hearts turn for God, turn toward God. But I wasn't ready. <laughs> or I didn't think I was. But it doesn't matter because when you're seeking to make God known, God shows up in unexpected ways. So we're there and we're talking to this gentleman. And then, you know, I'm like, I don't know what to say. And I just start talking and I say, well, you know, when people come to God, sometimes it seems as if people are changed overnight. Other times, it's like a caterpillar. And at that moment when I say it's like a caterpillar, I step outside of my body and I look at me and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and um, I'm like, you know, for some people, it's like a caterpillar. You know, you, you sense some kind of changes happening. You go inside this cocoon and you're in there for a while. But God does something, and you come out as a beautiful butterfly. And I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> and by the grace of God, this guy goes, that's me. I'm the caterpillar. <laughs> and he starts crying and weeping. And me and my guy, we're kind of looking at each other like, uh, um. And then he goes, let's pray, and grabs our hand, and he begins to pray, and he begins to repent. He's like, Lord, I thank you that you died for my sins. He, lead, he prays his own prayer. We don't lead him through nothing. And I mean, he's leading us, repenting, <laughs> and crying these big tears. And then, you know, he, he finishes, amen, amen. We're like, amen. And he's like, gives my boy a hug, then gives me a hug, then goes back to the SUV, hops in and drives off, and these two idiots in cassocks are standing there kind of just like, and we just immediately begin to praise God. We begin to give him glory. <laughs> because all we did was step out. You know, we try to think of something creative, creatively to do, to draw people's attention toward God, to get them thinking about the things of God, and God showed up. Well, if you read in the book of Acts, it seems to happen a lot. That, you know, the book of Acts, some people call it the Acts of the Apostles, but other people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And so God is still working today, and he's working through his people, and he invites us to be a part of that. And so the temptation for us is that we could sit in here Saturday after Saturday, Sunday after Sunday, small group after small group, and we never get out and share anything with anyone else. 
And then sometimes we're wondering, like, God, where are you at? I want to see you do some of the things you talk about in Scripture. I want to see you show up in some of those ways. And God is saying, hey, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to step out. I'm waiting for you to actually pray for someone. I'm waiting on you to open your eyes and to see people around you. God has you where you are for a specific reason. A specific reason. There are people who are looking and they're searching for answers. They're, they're not satisfied by what life has to offer. And you have been equipped by God to be able to share. And you may say, God, I, I can't talk. The greatest prophet in the Old Testament was Moses. And when God first called Moses, Moses said, I can't talk. I stutter. God's response to him is, I, I made your mouth. <laughs> I called you. Think about it. God didn't, you didn't choose God. He says, I chose you. And not only did he choose you, but he ordained that you would bear fruit. <laughs> so God called you because he knew that he could use you to express himself to the world who's looking for them. And so God chooses you and ordains that you bear fruit. So God knows your lacks. He knows your limitations. He knows what you have. He knows what you don't have. But he's the almighty God. It's not about us. It's about him and what he wants to do. Many of you are, go to school on a daily basis as high school students or college students, and you don't know that God can do tremendous things through you. There are people who are searching all kinds of ages, and God wants to use us to make an impact for his kingdom. One of the things that I think stands in the way, though, is this fear. And fear is real, you know? And um, God wants to be able to give us the courage to, in the midst of those fears, to move forward. Um, I had a pastor friend who gave me this John Wayne quote. I'm not a John Wayne fan. But he said that in one of these episodes of John Wayne, that John Wayne said, John Wayne said that it's not about being afraid. He says, it's not that you're never afraid. It's that you saddle up anyways. <laughs> And so it's, it's, it's not that we don't encounter fear. I'm telling you, sometimes when I know I have to speak, I'm moving, I'm, I'm pacing, and y'all might just think I might have to go to the bathroom, but that's a little bit of nervousness, you know? But it's, I'm going to do it anyway, you know? And so we've got to press beyond fear. What is it that is blocking you from being a witness to others? to sharing the good news? What, what stands in the way of you sharing this glorious gospel? You may feel like, I can't articulate it. I don't know what to say. Well, let's just surrender that to him today. As a matter of fact, as I was listening to the prayers that were going forth this morning before service, one of the words was surrender, I believe. And whatever that fear is, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Whatever that, that fear is, surrender that to him. Now, you may be in this place, and you might not even be a follower of Jesus, but you know that God has been tugging at your heart. He won't let you go. <laughs> Some people call God the hound of heaven because he's so persistent in pursuing us. Why don't you surrender? Why don't you get in on what God is doing? I'm not saying that it will make life easier, but God will show you himself 
And he will bring change into your heart and to your life. And you will be able to live in unbroken fellowship with the living God. So think about those things that are holding you back. Maybe you're thinking of people you may know. They're like, man, I want to share the gospel. I've been praying for them. This last thing I want to say here. If this is a positive 10, and this means like you're on fire for God, raging, ah, burn, I love God. Ah. And over here is a negative 10, and this is you're an atheist, cold towards God. Most of the times as believers, we think we got to move people who are at a negative 10. We think we got to move them over in three minutes to burning fire. And God doesn't put that kind of burden on us. He says that one sows, one waters, but it's him who gives the increase. So who knows? Somebody you may be talking to might be at a negative 10, and you may be frustrated because you've got done talking to them and you can't really see any change. And you're like, man, they didn't come to Jesus, but you don't know. Your watering moved them or your sawing moved them from a negative 10 to a negative six. And you don't know, but you're frustrated. Man, they didn't come to God. Man, they didn't respond. Hey, it don't rest on you. Somebody else is going to come along and water and who knows, they may move them to a negative two. And we let God give the increase. It's not on us. So, in this moment, take a, a few minutes to surrender whatever it is that may be a barrier to you. And I'm going to go surrender this robe and I'll come back here.
God is tugging on your heart, if there's something that you uh, would like for us to pray about, I invite you at the end of the service to please come. Uh, there will be people who are eager to pray with you and lift that concern up before the Lord. Whether it be healing, uh, whether you're being tormented in your mind, um, for some of you um, present, uh, the enemy taunts you in your mind and you're trying to hang on to life. Please don't walk out of here without letting someone pray for you. Whatever the need may be, please stand with me and um, we'll pray here. Father, here we are, your people. Once again, we present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. God, we ask that you would fill us again with your spirit. Fill us again with your presence. Not only fill us with your presence, but empower us to be witnesses. Give us the courage that we need to stop, look, listen, and to hear what you're saying, to recognize what you are doing. Lord, teach us how to put the right seasoning in our words so that we could speak in ways that speak to the heart of people and draw them towards you. Not unto us, Lord, not unto us, but unto you be all of the honor, the power, and the glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Be blessed. Let's get up.